0: What is this? Are you trying to trick me? What is this? What's going on here? What are you people doing here? You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today, I've got another best of episode for you. These are stories from season one, and these are stories from early episodes in season one. As I have talked about previously, the way I've produced the podcast has changed over the years. I like to think I've gotten better. I'll let you be the judge of that. But longtime listeners know that I'm a former radio guy. I did radio for a couple of years. I've talked about that. And I really like the sound quality and the production values to be as good as I can make them. Well, I'll admit, and I've said this before, when I first started doing the podcast, I was learning. I was learning technique. I was learning what sounded good. I was learning how to produce a podcast. It's not just sitting down at a mic and spewing. You want to make it listenable. You want to make it sound good. You want to make it sound like something that people will actually want to listen to. So when I did my early episodes, I did a couple of different things. The first thing that I did. I treated this more like a radio show, like I was live, on the air, and whatever happened, happened. If I sneezed, if I coughed, if I breathed, you know, those big gaspy intakes you sometimes hear. I just left it in. But as I listened to other podcasts, and even as I listened back to my own, I realized it wasn't the way that I wanted it to sound. Nobody wants to hear you go, nobody wants to hear you stutter. You want a clean product. You want it to sound good. So I've evolved my style over the years. The other thing that happened with those early episodes is I was doing things a different way. I wasn't actually editing all of the files myself. I was letting a computer do it. I'm not going to bore you with the details. But the website that I was using to produce the initial episodes didn't do the cleanest job. I thought that it was acceptable, but listening back, it really wasn't. There was a lot of static. There was a lot of pops. There was a lot of sound that To my ear just didn't sound good. So those first few episodes of the podcast, they have some pops and some static and some sounds in there I just don't like. So today's episode, today's stories, are ones that I've pulled from the first few episodes and I've tried to clean them up as best I can. But I wanted to give you these stories in a nicer, more listenable form. So if you've heard these stories before, they're going to sound better now. And if you haven't heard them, I hope you enjoy them. Thanks for listening today. This is The Best of Storytime. Now, the granddaddy of all the superstitions, as far as I'm concerned, and this is by no means a definitive list, by the way. This is my list of superstitions, stuff I've believed in or stuff I've heard of. Friday the 13th is the granddaddy of all the superstitions. Everybody has always said Friday the 13th is an unlucky day. That's the one big superstition that I heard of as I was a kid. All the kids would talk about it. Oh, it's Friday the 13th. And this is where you pick up your stuff at school. You pick it up from your friends. You pick it up from the kids in the neighborhood. Your parents don't sit down and have the Friday the 13th talk with you. Well, son, Friday the 13th is a day we don't go out of the house. That doesn't happen. You pick it up from your friends, and this is where you hear the stuff. And that's where I heard it from my friends. And it was always in school, and it was always from the kids talking about, oh, it's a bad luck day, don't do anything dangerous, be aware, blah, 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 ba. I never actually believed that. I never actually had any problems with Friday the 13th. It was just another day to me. But I was aware that other people believed it was a bad luck day, so, you know, I said, yeah, whatever. And it's weird that I could dismiss Friday the 13th considering some of the other stuff that I believed in. For instance, If Friday the 13th is the granddaddy of them all, the find a penny superstition is the grandmommy of them all, because that's something that I remember even more so than Friday the 13th. The phrase, and I I don't remember where I heard this one either, but find a penny, pick it up, and all that day you'll have good luck. I remember that one too, and I believe that one, and I don't know why. Maybe I believe in good luck more than bad luck? Maybe it's because my parents taught me the value of a penny, let alone a dollar. But to this day, if I see a penny, I will pick it up and believe that all that day I'll have good luck. Now, I don't know why, but it's just something that I've always believed. Now, another one that I've always believed is the don't walk under a ladder. Walking under a ladder is bad luck. And when I was a kid, I believed that too. Again, I don't know why, but walking under a ladder, they told me it was bad luck, so I never walked under a ladder. Now, as I got older, there's a reasonable basis for that, actually. There's there's safety involved. You don't want to be the guy walking under a ladder and knocking the guy on the ladder off the ladder. But even if there's nobody on the ladder, you're not supposed to walk under a ladder. It's bad luck. So I actually tried to figure out why it would be bad luck. And there's an ancient story about how the ladder leaning against a wall forms a triangle, and the triangle is a sign of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And if you walk under a ladder, you're breaking the triangle and thus bringing bad luck on yourself. But for a 10-year-old kid, it was just smart not to walk under a ladder. And I truly believe that walking under a ladder was bad luck, so I never did it. Don't do it to this day. Now, we talked about this next one in my episode about Balderdash and Poppycock knock on wood. I've always believed that too. Knock on wood. Knock on wood for good luck because you want to wake the spirits up and they would protect you from bad luck. So I always knock on wood. I've always believed that too. Along with wish on a wishbone, we always had turkey dinner for Thanksgiving and we always fought over who was going to get the wishbone. And the reason is because if you got the wishbone. You got a chance to make a wish on the wishbone. And I always believed that if you wished on a wishbone, you had a really good chance that it would come true. Now, it always had to be a dried wishbone. It couldn't be fresh off the turkey. My dad gave this one to us. This isn't one we picked up on the street. This is one my dad gave to us. We, we had to dry out the wishbone before we could wish on the wishbone. And so he would carefully carve the turkey and he'd carve out the wishbone every year. And then it would sit on the windowsill over the sink for about a week so that it could properly dry because a fresh wishbone won't break when you have two people pulling on it. You have to have it nice and dry. And then the way the wishbone superstition went is that the person who got the largest half of the wishbone would get their wish. Now, I don't remember ever actually getting the wish that I made on the wishbone and having it come true, but I believed that it would. Maybe it was because my dad told me about it. Maybe it was just one of those things that you saw in cartoons and read about in books. You make a wish on the wishbone and it's going to come true. So I believed it. But oddly, I never believed the wish on a birthday cake superstition. Because we all know that one too. When you have a birthday cake, you have to blow out the candles. But before you blow out the candles, you're supposed to make a wish. And you can't tell anybody what the wish is because then it won't come true. And on top of that, you have to blow out the candles all in one breath. Because if you take two breaths, then your wish won't come true. Now, that was the birthday tradition. Blow out the candles and make a wish. But I never believed that wish one. I always believed the wishbone one. I told you, I have a weird little mind. The days of yore today conjure up some stories of the things of nightmares. The little monsters appearing. Yes, it's my annual family reunion. No, 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 no. It's Halloween time. We've got stories about Halloween today, so thanks for joining us as I tell spooky, scary stories. Actually, there wasn't anything spooky and scary about Halloween when I was a kid. It wasn't that bad a deal when I was a kid. Yes, there was monsters and there was scary stuff. But Halloween has gotten more scary, I guess is the best way to put it. As the years have gone by, when I was a kid, we got into costumes and we went trick-or-treating and it was a huge thing. Don't get me wrong, Halloween was huge for kids. Halloween was the piece de resistance of all holidays next to Christmas where you got gifts for just sitting around. Halloween, you had to go work for it, but it was a true labor of love because you loved working for the candy that you got. Our goal at Halloween time was to get as much candy as we could, and we would go all day. As long as we could go, we would be out there collecting candy. And everybody stocked up on candy, too. Every house had something. Well, almost every house. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But before we talk about that, we have to talk about the costumes. Now, the costumes were two different kinds of costumes when I was growing up. You could either go to the local drugstore and you would buy a costume. But those old costumes were just a little thin plastic mask and a thin piece of cloth that passed for Superman's outfit or a ballerina's outfit or a cowboy's outfit. It was not a big deal, and maybe it cost five bucks. I don't even remember the prices. But even for that time, five bucks was a lot. That's why the other type of costume was the homemade costume, because five bucks was a lot for a costume. We would do a lot of homemade costumes at my house. It was just what we did. It was cheaper. Mom was artistic. She could sew anything. She could draw anything. So that's what we did. We created a lot of homemade costumes. One of the first costumes that I had a say in was dressing up as a card. I thought it would be a great idea to go as a playing card. And all you needed was a couple of pieces of poster board and some shoulder straps to make it look like one of those guys who has the sandwich boards on the front and back walking up and down the street to advertise things. You remember those guys from back in the day? Long before there were sign spinners, there were guys with the sandwich boards. They were called sandwich boards because he was in the middle of two boards. It looked like a sandwich. So I talked to my mom about making a playing card costume. And I thought it would be cool to go as the Ace of Spades, because it's the Ace, and you have a spade, and it's easy to draw. And Mom said, you can go as a playing card, but you can't go as the Ace of Spades. Now, I didn't know why. I guess apparently my mom was superstitious about the Ace of Spades on Halloween, but that was something that was verboten. I couldn't go as the Ace of Spades. So, I went as the Four of Diamonds. I don't know why the Four of Diamonds. It was just the card that we picked. So I mostly had a say in the costume. I couldn't be the ace of spades, but at least I got to go as a playing card. And mom drew a beautiful four of diamonds and a beautiful back of the card. And then we used some fabric to create the shoulder straps. And I had the front of the card on my front, of course, and the back of the card on my back. And I went as a card. And I did that actually a couple of different years. We did recycle costumes because it was cheaper that way. But that's what we had to worry about when I was a kid. Now, one of the other costumes that I remember was one of two... Duo costumes, I guess, is the best way to put it, because I went with a friend to go trick-or-treating, and we needed the two of us to make the costume work. One of the costumes was Laurel and Hardy. Now, for those of you too young to remember, Laurel and Hardy were a comedy duo from the early 20th century. There was Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy. Oliver Hardy was the big heavy set guy. Stan Laurel was the skinny guy. And they were very, very funny for their time. And I grew up watching them on reruns on Saturday morning TV. And they were very funny. So I, being the heavyset kid, was Oliver Hardy. And my friend next door was Stan Laurel. And my mom drew a little mustache on my face so that I would look like Oliver Hardy. And I had a little bowler that we had picked up somewhere because that's what Oliver Hardy wore. He wore a little bowler hat. And my friend dressed up as Stan Laurel. And he had his hair all standing up straight. And we were were a cute little team going out trick-or-treating together. All homemade stuff. I had an old tweed jacket. I remember the tweed jacket, too. I had an old tweed jacket that was my good jacket. But I was allowed to wear it for trick-or-treating because it was trick-or-treating. And a pair of black pants and a skinny little tie. And that's what I wore for my Oliver Hardy costume. There was also the year that I went out with my friend Vinny. You've heard me talk about Vinny. Vinny was much smaller than me, and I was much bigger than him, obviously, and we went out one year, and I don't know where we got the inspiration for this, but we went out as an organ grinder and his monkey. So once again, my mom created a little mustache on my face, drew it on my face, we had a box that we made look like one of those musical boxes that the guy would stand in the corner and crank a handle, and Vinny dressed up as a little monkey. I don't remember how he dressed up as a little monkey, but I remember we had a little leash for him, and he would hop around like a monkey. For those who don't know what an organ grinder and a monkey are, years ago, there would be guys who would stand on the street corner with a box that had a handle that would crank out music. You'd turn the handle, and music would play like a music box, and he would have a pet monkey, and the monkey would dance around and climb on people and collect coins, and that was how the guy made money. So we dressed up as an organ grinder and his monkey and we made the rounds for Halloween. Now, when I say made the rounds, that's what we did. We lived in a relatively rural area, but the houses were close enough so you could walk up and down the streets and you would really load up your trick-or-treat bags with lots of candy because as you walked up and down the streets, you would go down a side street and there'd be a little development there. So you would hit every house, then you'd leave that development, you'd go down another half a mile and there'd be another development there and you'd load up on all of the treats from the houses in that development. Then you'd exit that development, and you'd go down another half a mile. There'd be another little development there, and you'd walk in that street, and you'd load up. And we would literally load up. We would walk for miles on Halloween because, as I said, this was kid heaven. Just knock on a door and get candy. Oh, my God, it was awesome. We loved it. So we would be out for hours. We would walk up and down the streets, in and out of the developments, we would start at six thirty, seven o'clock, right after dinner, because dinner was always at 6, as you remember. We didn't throw off dinner just because it was Halloween. We had to have dinner. But right after dinner, and we were allowed to rush through because it was Halloween, so right after dinner, we would get our costumes on and head out. Now, of course, it's October, and it's cold, and there's always Well, you're going to be cold. Make sure you put a coat on. Mom, you're going to ruin my costume. I don't want to put a coat on. It's cold out there. You have to put a coat on. So we'd wrestle with how we were going to stay warm out there. It was always an argument. Always. But when I was the playing card, it was easy to put a coat on under the card. When I was dressed up as Oliver Hardy, it was a little harder to convince my mom I didn't need a coat over my costume because the coat that I was wearing for my costume was warm enough. But it was always a battle. Now, the NFL owned Sundays when I was growing up. That's really the only day that it owned, because I was too young to appreciate Monday night football. I was in bed when Monday night football came around. There was no Sunday night football. What you had when I was growing up was football on Sundays. That was it. You had a 1 o'clock game and a 4 o'clock game. And the games ended in three hours. Your 1 o'clock game ended by 4 o'clock. And there was no overtime. There were only tie games. If the game ended in a tie, it was a tie, and it was over at four, and then you'd have a four o'clock kickoff, and the four o'clock game would be over by seven o'clock. Why are things different now? Commercials. Replay review. All kinds of things built in to make the game longer, so now you need a a three-and-a-half-hour window instead of the three-hour window. But when I was a kid, you'd have the one o'clock game start at one, of course, and then you could gear up, be ready for your four o'clock game, and be done with football by 7 o'clock. But boy, it owned the afternoon. Those six hours, all NFL. It's pretty much the same now, except now they own the whole freaking day. But that's a whole separate issue, because you've got Sunday night football, and you've got Monday night football, and you've got NFL live, and pregame shows, and postgame shows. And when I was a kid, it was six hours on Sunday. You'd have a half-hour pregame show, and there was no postgame show. If they had a few minutes at the end of the 4 o'clock game, between 6.55 and 7 o'clock, you might get a quick recap. But otherwise, they were off the air at 7 o'clock. In fact, there's a famous story about how strict the networks were with the timing of sports. I won't bore you with the details, but I'm going to give you a little homework assignment. Go Google the Heidi game. That was a game between the Jets and the Raiders. What a nightmare that was. There was a couple of minutes left in the game, but it was going past 7 o'clock, and the networks wanted to run the movie Heidi. And so they cut away from the game and started the movie Heidi. As you might expect, people were upset. But that's how the NFL began to change the way sports were broadcast. Because their fans were so outraged that the networks would cut away from a live game for what some thought was a stupid movie. The movie viewers wanted to see the movie, but the fans wanted to see the game. But that's the kind of thing that used to happen. That would never happen now. They just keep pushing the shows back until the games are over. But when I was growing up, that wasn't the way. They had these games slotted into these three-hour windows, and at 7 o'clock, you were done. Now, I grew up in the New York area, and the blackout rules and the broadcast rules meant that we got the Jets games and the Giants games. That's all we got. There were no bye weeks, so the Jets and the Giants played every week. And the way it balanced out, the Jets would have either the 1 o'clock game or the 4 o'clock game, and the Giants would have the other one. So if the Jets started at 1, the Giants would start at 4, and vice versa. And they were on different networks, so you'd watch, at the time, you would watch the Jets on Channel 4, because they were the AFC channel, and the Giants on Channel 2, because they were the NFC channel. And those were the only games we got. So I watched a lot of Jets, and I watched a lot of Giants. We watched Giants because, number one, they were on, but number two, my dad was a Giants fan. And I like the Giants because they're a local team. I don't love the Giants like I loved the Jets, but I liked the Giants. And I've always been a Giants fan, mostly out of respect for my dad, because he really liked them. And partly because I couldn't get away from them as a kid. They were always on. So those were the two football games that we watched. And during halftime, you get the updates of the other games. But I never got to see another game. The broadcast rules didn't let them break away from a Jets game that was a blowout or a Giants game that was a blowout. You were watching your local team, period. Occasionally, if the game would end early, I'd get the tail end of a Cleveland Browns game, a Minnesota Vikings game, whatever game was running late, but it was a rare thing. The only way I could get information on the other teams was to watch the weekly recap. It was called This Week in the NFL. Now, you have to remember, this is the days before Sports Center. This is the days before 24-7 sports coverage anywhere This is the day before Sports Talk Radio. Nowadays, you can go into any big city and find the Sports Talk Radio channel and listen to them. And people will have hot takes on whatever the topic of the day is, including the NFL. But back when I was growing up, this wasn't a thing. ESPN had not been invented. 24-hour sports coverage? Are you crazy? It was an insane idea. And something we never contemplated when I was a kid. So if I wanted to catch up on what the other teams were doing, if I wasn't reading about it in the newspaper or in Sports Illustrated or in the Sporting News, one of the other periodicals that was out at the time, if I wanted to catch actual highlights, then I had to be by my television on Saturday evenings at 7 o'clock on Channel 9 WOR, which sometimes came in for us and sometimes didn't because the airwaves were kind of freaky and our broadcast network wasn't coming in that strongly where we lived. But I could usually catch This Week in the NFL, and it was hosted by Tom Brookshire and Pat Summerall, two former players and two broadcasters, and they ran through the highlights every week. That's going to do it for this episode of Storytime. Thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate you listening to all of the episodes, including this best of episode. Hope you liked it. If you have any suggestions or stories you'd like to hear on future best of episodes, just let me know. Message me on Twitter, whisper me on Twitch, mention it on Discord, on the Storytime channel. Just let me know. We'll find those stories, we'll put them up in future episodes. Thanks again, guys. Until next time, you take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.